This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast that can take only so many sports that don't allow you to use your hands and is desperate for the start of at least training camp. It's time to do a little preseason stargazing. Mark, hello. Hey, how's it going, Wes? That's going, man. It would be much better if there was, you know, stuff going on, uh, which maybe isn't the best lead in to a podcast about a sport, but um, it's where we are. Well, that's kind of where we left it, though, isn't it? Jim did his job. He 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 kind of washed his hands. Uh, he went off and took a two month vacation, well deserved. He he had all the awards for it. So uh, yeah, about time to get back to work, though. Yeah, and I, I I am there is actually stuff going on, and there are things to talk about, and we're going to get into some of the early off season moves we're seeing. We're gonna we'll probably rant a little bit, I imagine, and um you know talk about some. Some new faces and some some familiar faces and, and how the roster might shake out and, and really just start. I think we're getting our ducks in a row, right? We have to figure out everything we're going to complain about once the season starts. And so we're just like we're, we're testing our takes, right? Just like the team. It's going to take us a while to round into form. Well, we we have hot takes, but it's mostly because it's hot outside. It's so hot. So very hot, sapping the will to live. Mark, where do you want to start? What's what's your let's let's start here. What is your offseason stars vibe? I mean, my offseason stars vibe has to be that this team is as deep as I've ever seen them. I mean, the fact of the matter is that we have a guy who who had a roster spot last year in Ty Delandria and is a up and coming prospect who may not have a spot on the ice uh, he might be uh, might be in the press box to start the season and that tells me that we have a lot of really good players on this team and and that's not even factoring in the two guys in Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork who are on that sort of if they make the team out of camp bubble where they they may more reasonably wind up in the AHL at least to start so yeah I, I think you're right it's it's an interesting it's an interesting change to be thinking about who plays where rather than who could possibly play there. As yeah. A, and, yeah. And, and everybody that you're looking at here, I mean, if, if you want to talk about players who, who stars fans have kind of decided they didn't want to have around or, or they had better alternatives for you're, you're kind of down to Radic Fox and, and Ryan Suter, aren't you? Well, yeah, I suppose maybe a little Yanni Hockenpah, but he's uh, still hurt. We have to hear how his rehab is going. Well, and you um, can't. There, I, I don't think there's not can, many. No, there aren't. I, I do think you you can't. They kind of need all the defensemen right now. It's more about it's more. About, oh God, it's way too early in the offseason to get this nerdy, but it's it's more about minutes distribution with that group. But yeah, the forwards, it's it's. You know, yeah, you're 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 complaining about do they really in this in in today's NHL do you really need such a dedicated defensive resource in Radic Voxa, which is a, a very reasonable conversation to have. But beyond that, yeah, there's there's not this classic like okay, there's the two decent lines, and then heaven help Tyler Sagan trying to you know make offense happen with what's left. 
Yeah, and we're still close enough to the end of last season where I think a few eyes that got opened in the playoffs with Foxa where it became apparent that his game was not as uh, archaic as we might have thought. Uh, I thought he had a pretty good playoff season and demonstrated his worth to this team. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's one of the guys that could really stand to benefit from year two under Pete DeBoer, just in what you're talking about, right? Dallas last year was the first transition year, but Dallas was kind of moving from a system that prioritized specific roles, right? Bonus was was relatively conventional in that there were lines that scored, and then there were lines that prevented the other team from scoring. And there wasn't necessarily any, um, you know, any chocolate in the peanut butter, so to speak. Whereas with DeBoer, it's this much more, you know, everybody kind of is expected to do everything. And we may see with a second year under his belt, and he, you know, he's, he's not exactly a prospect or anything. So I, I don't think we should pencil Fox in for a 50-point explosion or anything like that. But there may be layers to his game that that can be unlocked by a coach that gives him a little bit more license and, and pushes him a little bit more on that end of the ice. Right. And the, and the point of the matter is that you don't have somebody like Luke Landang who's who's sitting there on his wing ready to win some faceoffs for you, but is highly unlikely to put the puck in the net. And so Fox is going to have some guys with the amount of depth on this team who can be productive offensive players. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, you, you kind of hit the excitement on the head is that this era of one-dimensional guys that that just do one thing and one thing only that's that's not this squad anymore i think jim nell over the past and i don't think it was just this one off season but over the the past you know couple seasons he's been evolving the team in that direction and and we're now looking at i'm just skimming the roster and there just aren't a lot of names in that you know like you said um radic foxa is one of them you know we don't know we haven't seen you know, Craig Smith or Sam Steele in the stars lineup, but in previous stops in their careers, they weren't exactly, you know, single dimensional players either. So there's, there's this general, you know, kind of everybody's expected to to have a, a more well-rounded skill set. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the team performs. Yeah. And especially on the forward side, you have, you know, if somebody doesn't live up to your expectations, you have people in the wings who, as a fan, you may even want to see somebody struggle a little bit because you you may want to have have Logan Stankoven get a little uh, little chance at the NHL level. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And as well, it's it's the you know if somebody's in, in a slump, if somebody's struggling, it used to the the problem with the Stars traditionally has been you know the first line's been fantastic and kind of you know they're they're on a whole different conversation, deservedly so. But with the second line and predominantly with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, it almost felt like we went through an era where if one of them was struggling, it was sort of, okay, well, now you're just banished to the lower reaches of the lineup. And, you know, well, we're, we're sorry you're struggling, Tyler. Let's get your offensive game going again by putting you with Ty Delandry and Radic Foxa. If you fell out of the top six, it was sort of exile. If you were going to step up in, in a bottom six role, you had to really step up because you weren't getting any help. And now, let alone, and that was problem one. And then problem number two is there just weren't a lot of different looks. And, you know, if plan A wasn't working, then the team didn't have a lot of variety to throw at you. Whereas now, this season, you know, and, and we saw it a little bit in the playoffs, partially because Pavelski got hurt and, um, you know, missed some time. But we saw a team that that all of a sudden, 
could throw some, you know, I think it was Sagan stepped up while Pavelski was out and, and produced quite well. Right. So there's now uh, you can, you, you can make the changes that you have to make, but you can also start making changes that you want to make to potentially throw different looks, you know, take advantage of different matchups, give the team a different character based on who you're playing in a way that I, I can't remember the last time Dallas has really been able to say that outside of, you know, a line they, they've had, they had a line and a half for a decade. It feels like. Yeah. And I think the big question going in for this coming season might be, was last year just kind of a one-off adjustment period for Mason Marchment. And if we get the Mason Marchment that we expected when we signed that big contract, what does that do to this team, Wes? Yeah, I mean, and, and I kind of wanted to start there because that's that to me is really the big um, and, and I'm totally stealing this from KT, but it's it's too great to not be recorded is has Mason Marchment become the Ryan Suter of Adam Burrish's is one of the big <laughs> questions because <laughs> there was, you know, he started started great last season, you know, started productive, brought a different type of look physical, right? Physical kind of north south wasn't wasn't just putting up points, but that that's the key thing. But the way he was putting up points really seemed to complement the group. And then he took his well-publicized hiatus from producing offensively and things got worse in the playoffs. And there were a lot of reasons for that, but he, to me, you know, now all of a sudden he's kind of what we're talking about. If he comes back, that's a weapon, but it's also, how does he come back? Because, you know, picking up um, Matt Deshane, is something that is is going to limit potentially things like power play time for him. But it's it's not as simple as necessarily just walking right back into a top six role and and seeing seeing where things land. Yeah, it's exactly. And I I think the the thing is that Duchesne is going to be the guy who they make accommodations for coming yep. in. And so he's going to get the opportunity to play in some top lines and with some real good players. And Marchment is going to have to fit in where he fits in based on where everybody else falls. And he's going to have to be productive in that role. And if he can do that, all of a sudden we're talking about a team that, that, you know, top to bottom, we, if you have Mason Marchment, who's, who's playing either third or fourth line minutes, that's a deep team. Yeah. And and I think you don't even have to, you don't even necessarily need Mason to be like the, I look at his last season in Florida, right? 54 games. 18 goals, 29 assists, 49 points, right? If he can just be that guy, you know, they're not, they don't need him to be necessarily a 30 goal man, you know, 60 point player driver, you know, kind of driver of a line. But if he can, if he can consistently contribute and, you know, he had 31 points last season, 12 goals, 19 assists, which sounds better than it was because it can't, he was such a feast or famine guy. I just, if, if he can do that to your point, it's not just you know Dallas has you know, arguably the you know best line in hockey in in the hence Robertson and Pavelski unit right and then they've got you know the Ben Ben's line Johnson Dadnoff definitely um, did its thing and you know throwing Duchesne with Tyler Sagan if you also add in you know the guy that Mason Marchment was signed to be that's not just three good lines that's a team that's you know somebody's going to feast every night because one of those three units is going to see time against the third defensive pair yeah and i think that's the point and that that should be real fun to watch and 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 again this is regular season so pete DeBoer can drop the strategy and just roll it on out and and 
know, the other thing I think we missed with DeBoer last year was, you know, he comes in with this idea where he's going to roll four lines and, and come hell or high water, the minutes are going to be a little compacted. And by the end of the year, I think he'd kind of figured out that his fourth line wasn't going to be able to perform if he tried to do that. And so they cut the minutes way back. But I think his preferred way of playing is to roll all four lines, and we should have a team that can do that this year. Yeah, I think that's true. This this will be the year. This I mean this this team looking up and down the roster. This team can absolutely be expected to roll four lines without worrying about one of those units getting caved in. Just just taught from the forward perspective, there is there is just no way to look at this roster and not see four functional NHL lines. I was just going to say the one thing before we move on from Marchment that, that interests me is this is also a team that is, is up against the cap a little bit, right? They've, they've, they don't have a ton of flexibility. There are still some needs defensively. Mason has a modified no trade. I think he has to submit a 10 team list. If he doesn't, the, the, the challenge, right? The, the flip side of the, if he, you know, if he's back argument is if he continues to struggle and if he can't find a role with the signing of Duchesne, all of the sudden a four and a half million dollar cap hit through 2526 looks awfully appealing as a trade chip. And you can see a world in which if his performance continues to, you know, if his com- performance continues to be an issue, or even if he's just not a, a great fit in sort of the lower, you know, middle six role that that he's projecting right now, you could see this turn into a trade situation you know kind of what what could dallas get from he could the 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 joke about you know Suter and and you know even fox a little bit from last season right you could see this turning into a situation where the conversation around marchment shifts to what could the stars have instead of him versus what could the stars get from him yeah i mean the unfortunate thing is if you follow that scenario to its logical conclusion you're you're selling at a low point which is something you don't want to do you don't. I think the counter argument there, Mark, just to to for the sake of for the sake of it is, even though you're potentially selling low on Marchment, is is the benefit of selling low on Marchment, but bringing in legitimate capital H help on the blue line. Does that maybe tell? Does that maybe balance out? Right. Yeah, you take a loss on Marchment, but by taking that loss, you're able to take a step forward at a position of legitimate need. Or, or alternatively, you you see somebody who's coming up through Texas who is just absolutely killing it, and you're opening up a spot for somebody uh, who, who's young on a, on a contract that we really can afford. Yeah, I mean that's that kind of the the salary cap math, right? You know, is it is it Marchment or is it Stankoven plus you know the other four million dollars worth of of player you can bring in? Yeah. No, no, you, you, you've ruined my segue from. Oh no! Because we've talked for for like two or three minutes. Because you, you, you said caved in, which said, well, we can we can either go off and 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 say some nice things about our sponsors at the green team, or we can talk about our defense. And I'll leave that up to you. Well, I think even even when you're getting caved in, Mark, you you still need allies and you still need assistance. And and you know when you're hurt and when you're in trouble. That's exactly when something like the green team becomes so important, right? When things are good, when all four lines are rolling, you can almost forget that there is a a Tom Hicks bankruptcy era. There, there is a, you know, Steve Ott second line center right around the corner. And that's when you need somebody to to kind of help you focus on your recovery, focus on yourself and, and have somebody fight your battles for you. 
Yeah, you you never know when you're going to get this guy from New York who decides the best way to play hockey is by facing the goaltender, and, <laughs> and at that point you need you need the green team to come in and save you. <laughs> Absolutely, you do. That's a, that is a flashback. Yeah, so it's it's you know they're they're a long time now sponsor, and and we're definitely happy to have them and and all of the things they enable on the podcast. And please do when you're hurt, uh, if you're in an accident, if you do need somebody to fight those battles for you that's greening law give them a call their number is 972-934-8900 that's 972-934-8900 and um one of the best parts mark is that any consultations are free right the only way they get paid is if you get compensated so uh, if you're in texas and if you need that hand if you need that ally in your corner don't don't just wave your stick at the goaltender give give the green team a call sounds good and and speaking of waving waving your stick at something, uh, what about Ryan Suter? Oh man, I think I've reached a stage of acceptance. We we were talking in the pre-call, right? You just this defense. I, I've kind of Mark. I could see a world in which the defense is fine because we don't know what we have in Nils Lundqvist. Although even though he ended the season kind of right in the bench, he played sixty games. And as a late offseason acquisition, young player, particularly a defenseman, 23 years old, 60 games, that's that's meaningful. And, you know, that's not an accident. So there is a world in which, you know, we, we you know, if he continues to develop, there's a useful player. Right. Thomas Harley's cameo late season playoffs. Every looks every bit the top four option. Right. If he if he keeps that trajectory then all of a sudden that's that, you know, then then you're just looking at, well, how much can Essa bounce back? What was, you know, Hawk and Paw's injury situation? How much of his struggles, in particular in the playoffs, was related to what was a back injury? And and then the Suter question, I think it's it's almost not even about him at this point, Mark. To me, it's about how much of what we saw out of Lindell was a one-season blip versus, you know, versus slippage. How much of Hawk and Paw was injury and overusage? Can Lundquist contribute? Can Harley contribute? And if some of those things are answered correctly, then I think it really turns into if Pete DeBoer manages the minutes of this group, there is a world in which this defensive core is fine. It'll get you where you need to go. You've got an elite goaltender. We just finished you know, talking about how fantastic the, the forward units project to be. Throw in Miro. You know, you get Miro. You get a little bit of a bounce back from Lindell. You get progress from Harley, progress from Lundquist. And you can kind of see it working. Can you not? Well, I mean, the thing is, you you take a look at people's strengths. And so all of a sudden, you're looking at pairings on the defense that really need to be changed up if you want them to work properly. The The idea is that you put Lindell with Haskinen. I mean, Lindell needs a puck mover with him. Yep. As much as you want to say, yeah, quote unquote, Lundqvist is a is an offensive defender. He's not a puck mover. He's a scorer and a shooter. He's he's much more valuable in the in the offensive zone than he is transitioning the puck into the offensive zone. That's something that was tried. It didn't really work that well. Um, but I'm not sure that it didn't work that well in and of itself. It, it, it's kind of like there were other parts that really, really didn't work very well. And so all of a sudden we went back to tried and true, uh, you know, Suter and, and Haskinen. And, and, and I think we've demonstrated that Lindell and Hockenpah is just asking for, for trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you can get away with Lindell and Hockenpah in a penalty kill situation because just throwing the puck off the wall down the eye, you know, they have proven That's they what can you do. Support. 
Yeah, that's right. They can suppress shots. They can keep things to the outside and they can throw the puck down the ice. When you're expected to generate offense, those clearances, you know, the 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 old joke we've made about the Esselindel knee-high outlet pass special, right? Like those things aren't as effective. So yeah, I think I think you're right. You need to find a way to pair Lindell with a guy that can and look at his his best stretches of his career, right? John Klingberg, uh, you know, I hope yeah, I hope Lindell sends him extraordinary. A, yeah. yeah, and and he and Lindell were a fantastic pair. And I mean, again, it 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 turns out that you you end up with these six guys, and all of a sudden you have well, if if you do that, which is what seems to be logical, at least if you draw it up based on skill set, all of a sudden what you're saying is okay, I need to put uh, I need to put Harley with Hawk and Pa, which is probably a pairing that works fairly decently. Uh, Harley spent a lot of time down in Texas playing with Petrovic, and and so you he's used to playing with a right-handed big guy. Yep, but that leaves you with Suter and Lundqvist, and as much as they tried to talk that pairing up, it flat out didn't work. And and I don't know what in your mind says that pairing works. I mean, I think it comes down to thinking about when Suter played well versus when he didn't. Right, Suter was effective in situations where he was with Haskinen and in situations where the teams, the stars were playing, didn't have that sort of high-end athleticism, right? When when Ryan Suter, to me, when he gets exposed is when teams can really attack his foot speed and his mobility. In those situations, when Suter is going to succeed, it's because he's got a partner that can take some of that burden off of him. And to your point about Lundqvist not being a puck mover, and Lundqvist not being a defensive specialist, and then young Lundqvist being a younger player. I think that that pair didn't work because Lundqvist, just as, as a profile, he's not the guy, when you think about the things that Suter still does well and the areas that he struggles, Lundqvist isn't the guy that's going to paper over those cracks, right? And so you wind up giving a mobility-challenged Ryan Suter a partner that is much better going forward, which leaves you exposed moving backwards. Uh, and, and that's the problem. You you end up with one of your top two pairs just has a fatal flaw. And and and, and you you paper over that by putting Suter with Haskin in because Miro can look, make anybody look good. But that leaves you with Lindell and Lundqvist, and they're going to have the same problem and not being able to get the puck out of the zone. And it also and, leaves you with the, the how many times have we complained as fans? It leaves you with the problem of, should the Dallas Stars be looking at Miro Haskinen as a problem solver, right? How do we use him to fix something else? Or should they be looking at Miro Haskinen as a play driver? And how do we, you know, how do we maximize Miro? Right. Yeah. It's like Miro, Miro's going to raise somebody's floor as opposed to allow him to blow through his ceiling. And that argument's been, been made many times and it has a humongous amount of validity. And I think with the challenge for the stars, so so I think if, if things go well, and, and keep me honest here, Mark, in my mind, if things go well, it's going to be because Thomas Harley emerges as the second puck mover in that group. He does have that profile. He does have that history, right? He could be a guy at the NHL level that can help transition the puck through zones. So step one of this thing working out is that Thomas Harley turns into a guy that can be relied upon to progress the puck. And that's not with Haskin, right? Just on his individually on his own, right? I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, just as good as Miro, but he's got to be able to do that because once you do that, all of a sudden you're looking, you know, cause, cause you're looking at Lindell, 
Suter, they've got they've got warts in that regard. And if if you can get Harley functional as a puck mover, then all of a sudden it isn't quite as imperative to use Miro to fix problems. And you can you can start to experiment. And then you need to get Lundqvist to a point where not not that he's a shut down defensive lockdown specialist, but I think you can get you project him if you can get Lundqvist to the point where what you're getting for him from him offensively balances out what you lose defensively. I think you're in good shape. The challenge is I think to do that, Lundqvist is going to need power play time. And all of a sudden you've got Haskinen, Harley potentially. Lundqvist and Ryan Suter, which gets to the real problem for me is is a problem. The real challenge for me is is coaching and defining roles. And is this staff, is this team willing to use Ryan Suter as a four, five, six defenseman with you know more limited minutes, let fewer kind of special team situations, kind of play more to his current skill set versus his historical skill set? Like, are they are you willing to take Suter off the power play? Well, and and to tell you the truth, I don't have a problem with them rotating through who's running point on on the second power play unit. I mean, Harley didn't run that exclusively with Texas. Uh, I see no problem with going the, with the hot hand between Lundqvist uh, and and Harley, and and if you give Suter some time in there, fine. I, I think I think the big stretch here is that for your second pair, you really want Harley and Lundqvist to work out as a pair. And that's going to be a big leap of faith as far as you know, coaching trust, because those are some guys who have demonstrated some abilities, but haven't demonstrated it on a consistent level or consistent way at the NHL level. But if you want to say, that's my second pair and my third pair is, I'll live with Suter and Hockenpah as a third pair. Give them the minutes that a third pair deserves. They have some size. They should be able to play some defense. There will be some issues, but what third pair doesn't have issues? Yeah, and and I think it's it's the classic hockey team challenge, right? Is is coaches are loath to give young players opportunities, right? That's it's a results business. They go back to guys like Lindell and Hockenpah and Suter because there is a large volume of data that that tells you what to expect from them, and coaches would rather take, you know, the sure thing. And you know, the coaches would rather take an assured higher floor than roll the dice on a you know much higher ceiling. And so it's it's that classic problem of how do you you know I'm thinking of, of Joe versus the volcano, right? I know he can do the job. Can he get the job? Yeah. And that's where that's where we are with some of these young players is that will the coaching staff give them the opportunity to demonstrate whether or not they can do the things they need to justify the opportunity that they need to get from the coaching staff? Well, exactly. And you have the opposite problem, which is, you know, it's a a psychological phenomenon where you get first impressions and then it's very difficult to change a first impression. And so if you're coming in and saying, that my 37-year-old defender is a, a first-slash-second-pairing guy who can carry a team, it takes a lot of evidence and beating on the head in order to lose that first impression and, and start to take a realistic view of what that person is is bringing to the team. So how do you think it all shakes out? What what does, let's, let's you know, it's December 12th. What does the Dallas Stars defense look like? 
I think it looks a lot like last year's defense. I don't think there's trust enough to get Harley and, and Lundqvist together. So it's it's probably Haskinen and Suter and yeah. then sort them out on the way down. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It may be, you know, we, we haven't seen injuries on the defensive side in a, in a, in quite a while. And so you never know how that's going to play out. We've lost a bit of our defensive depth with this organization. So, you know, you saw that that we have uh, we have a, re- a, a potential second Benessance uh, in in that uh, we have Jordy Ben on a PTO right now. But beyond that, you have Joel Hanley, who is pretty much saved for the playoffs. You don't want to ruin him in the regular <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah, you don't want to ruin him. And, and then you have you know the return of Gavin Bayreuther, who uh, who's probably the first call up from Texas. It's uh. It's not as good as it's been in the past, uh, so we could lose something there. But other th- other than that, I think we see the pairings exactly like we saw at the end of last year. I, I think that's a comfort zone. Yeah, and I think that's to me that's where that's where this team is still vulnerable, and that that defense gets real shaky really fast. And it's also you know they're they're called prospects for a reason, and we don't we're we're talking you know bright side upside when we talk about Harley and Lundqvist. And it's not a given, you know, and it, with with Harley, I'm a little bit more sure because he's now had he was very good in the AHL last season. He had an extended look in the NHL. He had a cup of coffee the year before. So we're we're starting to get out of sample size problem zone with Thomas Harley. But we're not yet at a point where we can just, you know, write in pin that he's going to be a top four defenseman in the NHL. and We just have to worry about it. And, you know, Lundquist as well. Like. I, in my opinion, if you look at the entirety of his first season with the Stars, there's more good than bad, but there's nothing in either of them that assures they'll continue to progress forward beyond what they are at this exact second. So this is a group that that has some challenges, and this is a team that is literally at the salary cap. So there really are, unless we start talking about, you know, it's, it's why I mentioned trades when we were talking about Mason Marchment. I think it's impossible not to say the same about Radic Fox as well. He's got a five-team list. So, you know, unless the team is willing to move something, this is kind of the group, and you know, you know more than me, Mark. Let me ask you: Are there? We talked about Gavin Bayreuther is likely the first call up. You know, Yukon Cornelius is on a PTO. Um, I think they signed his beard to a separate PTO, which is good. You want to <laughs> definitely come as a package. Are there any other names in Texas that could be factors in this group in the coming season? I, I would argue no. We kind of got decimated a bit. Butcher and and Ryan Shea both went to Pittsburgh. Leeson went to what Edmonton or something like that. We we lost a lot of our depth uh, out out of Texas, where people just kind of aged out of their contracts into uh, into UFA territory, and they weren't getting an opportunity with the stars, so they went elsewhere. Cross your fingers, you you, you got some prospects out there. We 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 got Bichelle out there, uh, who everybody says it has the body ready for the NHL. Who knows? We'll see. I, I mean we. Traverse City uh, puck drop is two weeks away, so uh, this is coming up pretty quick. Yeah, it's it's just there. I I just can't imagine Bichelle doing enough to be a factor this season. The way that this team moves, you know, the kind of the pace that this team moves with their prospects. Maybe he he could surprise me. I hope that he does. It would it would be this is one of those things where I would I would love nothing more than to eat my words and and watch it break a different way it's just it's really hard for me 
to see him as more of a, you know, to see it like if if we're getting minutes from Bichelle, something astonishing has happened. We have to remember, I mean, he he's not just, uh, you know, seeing his first uh, North American ice, but he's still a teenager. I mean, if, as far as yep. prospects goes, he's he's real young. And and he's also, you know, he played if uh, I don't have the minutes in front of me, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in a primary role in his, um, you know, club team, Luxans, I think is how you pronounce it. Although this yeah. listeners know my pronunciation is horrible. So he, he wasn't exactly playing top, you know, top line minutes for his um, team, most of his success. And he was great at the juniors, right? That's, that's where a lot of the optimism is coming from. It's, it's his frame. It's his physical profile. It's the fact that he had a very, very good um, run with Switzerland at the juniors. And so you can see it all coming together. I just, it's not going to be this season. Let's 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 do let's stay out of the the fan trap of looking at all of our prospects and assuming they're going to get to the absolute ceiling of their potential immediately out of the gate, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, I I'm withholding judgment. I I think I've gotten almost all my ducks in a row to be able to make it up to Traverse City, so I'll I'll, I'll hopefully be able to see him in person. Everything I've heard uh, is that his name is mentioned as potentially getting some NHL ice time. And, and mm. so you're hearing that from people who know what they're talking about. So, Which uh, isn't me. I, listen, I, yeah, like I, I said, I'd love it. I just have it, it's reservations me to see that. I, I think the way that that would work, he is going to be playing. Will he be with the Texas Stars this season? Yes. Yeah, so I think the way that if he comes out and impresses for the Texas Stars, I think he's that's how he gets himself in the conversation more than anything that, you know, the training camp that he'd have to have as an 18-year-old to make this roster would be pretty pretty phenomenal. But there's, I mean, as we've been talking about the defense, there are, there are opportunities here. There, there are. Let's uh, let's give Jake Ottinger what we used to call in in my business an opportunity to succeed. <laughs> that's right, and and I think that's. That's where it comes down to, right? This team is comfortable looking at the defense. This team is comfortable saying we've got forwards that can apply pressure versus accepting it. We've got an all-world defenseman in Miro Haskinen, and we've got a goalie that can clean up the mess in Jay Gottinger. And I think when you're the coaching staff, that's your calculus. And if you get a couple of lottery tickets with guys like Lundqvist and Harley, then all of a sudden you're in an entirely different tier, right? If Harley is the same guy that we saw in the playoffs for the entirety of next season, then this defensive unit looks a lot better. Okay. Well, we went an entire podcast without without mentioning Joe Pavelski, so... Uh... Oh, he's he's been busy on the golf course. If you read Sean Shapiro and uh, anything else to say, I I've just I am fascinated to see this forward core in action. That's that's where my brain is right now. I'm just I'm just yeah I'm salivating. I'm I've got I've got such a an eagerness to see how this comes together and how you know Ben you know just everybody. I'm I'm excited about literally every forward right now. There's no. Nobody on this team is making me groan and, and wonder why they're there. So that's, that's a good way to be. Yeah, this is this is at least a, a, a version of the team that we thought we were getting after Lindy Ruff left. And, and that was a fun team to watch. And it was a very successful team. So I, I have high hopes for this season, which is usually the death knell. But uh, <laughs> you heard it some, sometimes you have to go with the facts and say, as much as I know, my teams suck when it it's important this team has the opportunity to not suck significantly not suck and then the, the last yeah. thing i'll say yeah 
And the last thing I'll say to wrap up is we should be starting, you know, now that the off season's winding down, we're already talking Traverse City. The listeners, we we will be leaving summer mode and getting back into our weekly groove and talking more stars hockey and, and the stories will get more interesting as, as the players hit the ice and some of our our you know dreams and, and prognostications hit the cold hard reality of, of water frozen over concrete. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's good times. It's gonna be it's gonna be a season. It's definitely going to be a season. That sounds right, good. Mark, thank you for your time. KT, thank you for stitching it all together. One last shout out to our sponsors at Greening Law. Thank you guys for for helping us do what we do. And thanks to the listeners. Gear up, get excited. It's it's gonna be a year. This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal.